Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 347, 48. I thought we were 350. Wasn't it 49 yesterday? I don't know. Time is irrelevant. Numbers mean nothing. Star date 2737.4. So uh, I'm your host, Blaine Putbay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Lift heavy. That's all I'm saying. Meal prep. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Always meal prep. Got to make sure that food's know clean. Your, know your macros. <laughs> Say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Uh, all right. Well, uh, unfortunately, Matt Smith cannot be with us because apparently he's working. I like, think he has a woman. Or several. That's, you know, oh, I'm working. Working on I the second half of the lift heavy. Yes. <laughs> he's doing his OnlyFans. Not making enough money on the podcasts. He's the original OF. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah well sadly he's not here either way so uh you guys who are going to be watching have to stare at our ugly faces those who are listening well you're better off it's true i think that's why we have more people who listen to us on spotify than watch us on youtube very likely very likely. But anyhow, uh, it is just a yet another week of no hockey for the Canadians as we are in the offseason. Uh, but the playoffs are still continuing. And I believe that it snowed in hell because the Maple Leafs finally won a series. Well, it's about damn time. It is. Lizzo wrote a song about this. And Oddly enough, another team is out of the playoffs after having a 3-1 series lead. Boston Bruins have been eliminated. Yeah, the greatest team to ever be assembled, according to their records, um, with the most wins and most points in a season uh, out of the first round. Now, the team they beat for those records was not – not put out in the first round when they went to playoffs. They went all the way and won a cup. So I don't know what to say. Well, uh, before I jump onto that one, I want to point out that uh, the running gag of it was 3-1 is now useful for two rivals. True. It's true. Yeah. So I think shirt black and yellow, uh, black shirts with yellow writing, it was 3-1. Perfect. White with blue writing, it was 3-1. Perfect. It fits. It works. Consistency Question, is... I love it. Yeah. Who do you root for now in the Toronto-Florida game? The refs. Oh, well, just ask any Toronto <laughs> fan. The refs are totally against them. That's why they lost. Talking to you, Jim Little, even though I know you don't listen to this podcast. I seen your I seen what you put on Facebook. Oh, the refs. That, that must be why they lost. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I like I, I answered I said just like what every team, every fan of every team says about every other team. Yes. Because <laughs> only one team matters. And yeah. that's TS. I mean uh Toronto. Well, yeah. speaking of sports, TSN Sportsnet, let's go with Sportsnet. How is Chris Cuthbert and uh, uh, Craig Simpson going to do play-by-play in Florida if they are not allowing any Toronto fans into the arena? That's a good. That's a good point. Uh, 
Oh, I know. They get uh, ESPN, their sister station, to buy the tickets for them. But then Bissonette can't go in because he's a huge Toronto fan. It's true. It's true. Poor Paul. So many, so many of these people can't go in there. Like I, I don't see. You know Biz, what? This can get Ryan Whitney to buy it. True. Our old buddy, Muddy, Brian Mudrick's gonna have to call the game. It's just the way it is. I mean, I can't. You can't pick a, a better pl- a person for it. No, him and Dave Poulin, or him and Sergio Mameso. Oh, <laughs> um, at least they get no, an no. unbiased call on the game. Better guest color commentator Daniel Alfredson. Ooh, ooh, yeah. If you're gonna troll, about- troll hard. <laughs> Corey Perry and Daniel Alfredson doing play-by-play. Yeah, I can hear I can hear the call-ins for the show after the game with uh, Matt Sundin saying, "Hey, stop throwing my stick." Carrie <laughs> <laughs> Frazier, the Carrie uh, yeah. Frazier, the the uh, special referee to tell you the rules. That wasn't a high stick. <laughs> <laughs> Superstars Must... don't high stick people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so but back to the whole setting records and all that stuff. So. Uh, Boston set a record for the greatest regular season team to have ever played. Notice I said regular season. Facts. That's a Facts. fact, though. They did. Yeah. Yeah. They beat out the Detroit Red Wings, who had 62 wins, who mm-hmm. beat out the Canadians, who had only 60. Just 60. But out of those three 60-win seasons, or 60-plus win seasons, one team was able to win the Cup there that same year. That was Montreal, 77-78. So if you're going to say that one of those teams is the best to have ever played, which one would you choose? The one who lost in the first round, the other one who lost in the first round, or the one that went on to win a cup in the same year? Well, you'd have to go, if you're doing the entire season, uh, then you'd have to say the 77-78. And I'm not saying that just to be biased. I'm saying that because... They went on not only to have at that time the greatest regular season ever. I think they lost eight games the entire year, um, but they they went on to win the twelve games they needed to win the Stanley Cup at that time because there was only three rounds at that time. But that's uh, right. Um, so yeah, so they won. It and was short. It was a shortened yeah. playoffs, which will segue into another thing. I think we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I just wanted to point out that. Had the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, I would gladly admit that they were the oh, greatest sure. team to have ever played. But... For sure. And you know what? I, based on their regular season, I thought the Bruins were going to at least the Eastern Conference final, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But However, everyone was hurt. Well, and it was also pointed out to me analytics hit a lot of other issues that that team had. Um, yeah. So, uh, and again, I'm not shitting on analytics like I have done in the past. I'm just saying you can't use one way of looking at a game and thinking it's the end all to be all. Because analytically, the Bruins were incredible. They were winning. It added up. But the analytics hid other things that just weren't happening that didn't work in the playoffs. Um, plus, Allmark, I guess, had a really bad injury. So they lost their top goaltender. Uh, I believe many other players were playing hurt, like most teams do in the playoffs. So, and let's I be honest, coaching. who had the Bruins been? Yeah. Like, who had the Bruins really doing what they did this year? Like, we all had them maybe making the, making the playoffs. Yeah. So, let's be honest. And coaching, they decided to play Allmark when he had this dilibate, uh, you know, up 3-1. They're playing Allmark, and he supposedly had this injury that was so bad that he had him so much in pain. Yet the coach is like, yeah, yeah, go on, go on, yeah, you got it. Yeah, not to mention they have one of the, they had the best tandem in hockey this year, and yet they still I mean, didn't Jerry, use Swayman. Jeremy Swayman has some brain farts, but is what his second year? This year was his second year in the NHL, maybe. So like, you're up three one. What what you know? This guy 
literally was the second best goaltender in the league. Well, I wouldn't say was, but up there to it. They they had the best tandem in the league. I think the guy lost five games all year. Why not use him? Yeah, exactly. He had three chances <laughs> to close out the series. If he was yeah. that bad, like you, you got three chances. You're you're rolling. You're up three one. Give it a go. Yeah. But no. if he's that injured, sit him, put Swayman in. If Swayman loses the next two games, well, hey, Allmark, I hope you're feeling better. Because yeah. guess what? You're going back <laughs> in. But no, they didn't do that. Which brings us to a hot take that you uh, brought to everybody's attention. Um, so you retweeted or quote tweeted uh, a tweet by someone named Sam McCowan. I don't know. Uh, Never hot take. Sh- I just saw it all yeah, the time. So, <laughs> so his, his hot take sure to rouse anger was if the best regular season team can't advance out of the first round playoff series by winning three of the first four games, perhaps the series is just too long. And what your response was, <laughs> uh, this isn't a hot take. It's a complete shit one. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> no. Like, basically what he's saying is, all right, we have the best team, so we shouldn't just play any games. We should just hand them the cup. Because if we play any games and they lose, then the series is just way too long. Next year, we'll dis- we'll determine who's the best team by by simulating the series on <laughs> NHL 24. Like, well, I mean, draw the line. okay, I will say this. Uh, back in the 80s, the first round, when they first introduced a fourth round in the playoffs, it was a best of five series. And I believe yeah. that went to 86, I want to say. I think it changed in 86 to 84 or 85, somewhere around there. When the Habs won the 86 cup, I believe all four rounds were seven games. I believe. If I it's remember, old, yeah. that was the, that was the first year I really started watching a lot of hockey. Um, I watched it before, but just not as into it as I was that year. Um, but come on, like, Really? Like if your team was the underdog team and you won, you definitely wouldn't be saying that. I'm assuming he's a Bruins fan. I really didn't look. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, but because really, if the best team in the league can't win when they're up three games to one, then the series is too long. Or maybe the team just shit the bed by putting an injured goalie in for two games that he shouldn't have been in. Did you think it's about kind of that? The- this is kind of the reason why you have the seven game series. There's, there's some strategy involved. There's a little bit of luck. There's some skill, but at the end of the day, it's who outworked who. So here's the question. All right, let's shorten, let's shorten that series and make it a best of three. Let's go, let's go baseball, right? Let's make it a best of three, like the baseball wildcard. Sure. All of a sudden Florida's goalie's hot. And they win the first two games. Well, then your team that just was the best team in the league just went out in the first round in two games. You're going to turn around and say, well, they don't play enough games. I think it hurts you more to have less games because then you have less chances to close it out. Right. If your team was that good when they were up three, one, they should have closed it out in five, six games. Yeah. Right. And let's be honest, after Christmas, Florida is one of the hottest teams in the league. Which which hurts because, you know, that that does affect the draft status and the Canadians well, on their draft I mean, pick. We all thought we were getting two top 10 picks and it turned out <laughs> we weren't even getting anything close. But, um, Might only but be yeah, a lot of four. And I mean, and that's why I think it's a shit take because like you're not really thinking about it. You're only thinking about it because you're pissed off that your team lost. But if you really think about it, you cut the games down. So what if your team goes up in a best of five, two games to one, and then loses the next two games? It's the same scenario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact either, same scenario. If you if you shorten the series, like you said, you're at the mercy of a hot streak. Maybe you're playing like crap for two, three games. You're, you know, you got this 
really great team that's been rolling and you just sometimes you hit a little bit of a snag there's two three games where you're not that good you might win one of them but you'll lose a couple if it's a best of three yeah. or a best of five you're done a hot goalie that's right you're done. but and it's playoff hockey playoff hockey is totally different than regular season hockey now you can say the refs put their whistles away more or the refs uh, call a different game in the playoffs, all viable arguments, all viable uh, uh, excuses, I guess you can say, because it's true. The rest do ref different in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. It's a given for what if, better or what if for worse. Some, yeah. And what if the, by some strange uh, fixing uh, the, the NHL trying to fix a game by putting your ex roommates, boyfriends, cousins, uh, neighbors, schoolmates from the third grade's friend as the referee against you. And he's a flat earther. Unbelievable. Everybody <laughs> knows it's a cube. But I, I'm just saying, like, uh, it's a shit take because A, you either don't understand hockey or you don't understand that a smaller format is worse for your team than a longer one. Yeah. And it is. And I personally, I think the first round should be five games. Personally. But, because uh, I think playoffs is just way too long. Uh, maybe, you know, honestly, I was I was thinking about that after reading your, your uh, retweet there. And I thought, what if the first round was just the wild cards doing a play-in? Well, funny you mentioned that, Blaine, because I did mention the baseball thing for a reason. And basketball has been doing this for the eighth seed. So basketball will take, I think it's the seventh, eighth, and ninth teams. And they play like a little tournament, kind of like what baseball does, one against each other. And the top two teams make it into the playoffs. So if you're ninth or just out of the playoffs, you can make it in. Baseball. They take your division winners and then the three next best teams. Three next best teams play a little one-game tournament against each other, right? And the uh, top team goes on to the next round or however it goes. I have no issue with hockey doing – actually, I have no issue with hockey going to 24-man playoffs. We have 32 goddamn teams, right? Only half of them make the playoffs. I have no issue with the way it is now. I have no issue with the way it is now, but I would have no issue if it went to say 20 or 24 either. Um, No, I I like the fact that it's only 16. Uh, It kind of lessens the number of teams that can make it. And it kind of keeps it from being diluted. Playoff hockey, you want to see the better teams anyway. Uh, But if you went with the, the, the wild cards only playing in that first round and giving a bye to the other three, First yeah. will play the wild card, second will play three, and there you go. And then you don't have teams like Colorado, although I'm not sure what Colorado finished this year. I don't think they won their division. Um, no, they were in the middle middle of the pack there. Yeah. I think they were top three in the division, but I don't think they won it. Um, but it would, it would avoid teams like Boston going out in the first round, or if Toronto won the division, they wouldn't go out in the first round because, you know, you would have your wild card teams playing off, and then the winner would play – the best of the three teams, the th- three division teams. So no, Colorado did win their division. Oh, did they? Okay. Well, there you go. So then they would, you know, they would get a buy. So you wouldn't have these two teams that played so hard in the regular season going out in the first round. I have no issue with that. I have no issue with going one for eight. I have no issue with that either. Hell, let's go no, one versus 16. Let's get rid of the conferences altogether and go one for through 16. Why not? Well, they did that before, and it didn't work because of travel costs or whatever. Oh. <laughs> you know, hey, I remember when you played two nights in a row, got a day off, two nights in a row, day off, game off, game off. And that's how you did your seven-game series. And guess what? It was The whole series was over 10 days. And, and it's fair because <laughs> you have the exact same schedule as the other team. You're traveling the same amount of distance. It's Everything's yeah. even. It's now, unfair, I mean, but and it's then fair. A, a couple years ago, before COVID, you would have, oh, 
Montreal's playing Boston tonight. Then they don't play for another four days or something stupid like that. And you're like, what the hell? Because <laughs> there's a, there's some kind of a friggin' circus going on in the, in Boston mm. or the Celtics have a game or who knows what the hell's going on. TV. Oh, fucking dynasty reunions on that night. We can't have a hockey game. We'll lose viewers. <laughs> Need that NBC Sunday afternoon game. <laughs> yes, playoff game. Anyway. Yeah. But it so this year, had they gone with the wild cards playing only as a first round and given a bye to the others, we would have seen the Islanders play the the Panthers and the Kraken play against the Jets. Two, I think that'd be two really good series. Would be. I still think you'd have the Kraken and the Panthers coming out on top, but you never know. But here's the thing. Vegas would end up playing Seattle in that next round. And Colorado would end up playing against LA. Uh, you know, like it's changes things up a little bit and it gives the teams that fully qualify, you know, those top three teams per division gives yeah. them a break. But don't you only have, yeah, but then you have seven teams going to the next round. <laughs> give, give the next, give another buy to the top team in the conference. There you go. Done. Problem okay. solved. You know what I'm saying though? Like you have a, we got, because you got to make sure that. you got to make sure Boston keeps getting further and further in. With <laughs> Although the I don't mind that idea, played. but here's how you do it. You add two more wild team card teams, and then you have two teams advancing per, per conference. So you still yeah. have eight teams going in. It actually just adds another round. We just made it longer. <laughs> but you make the, you make the wild cards play the extra round. Whereas everybody else does. Yes, that's right. Everybody else does not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I personally think playoffs is too long. I don't like having hockey in June, call me old school, but uh, especially when the season pretty much starts in September. Right. Yeah. So I, I call me all either shorten the, the regular season or shorten the playoffs. One or the other. doesn't really matter. Yeah, and then they're much. talking about expansion. I think expansion is stupid because you're only going to dilute the league. The league's just starting now to get back to where you have, eight or nine guys with a hundred points and multiple 50 goal scores. If you throw in two or three more teams, you're just diluting the uh, player. You're just diluting the, you're diluting the NHL from star players. In my opinion. Screw it. Let this, let's just make a, an NHL Europe. That could work. 32 teams in Europe. Boom. Done. The winner from each uh, continent plays against each other for uh, the Clarkson Cup. The World Cup. Or the World Series in baseball that only American teams can play for and one Canadian. <laughs> and they'll cancel a season if two Canadian teams would have played for it. Yeah, Toronto's nowhere near. Yankees were winning that. Yankees were way ahead. 94, baby. It was going to happen. It's going to happen. Yankees were way and, ahead. And then Major League Baseball shut it down to keep the Jays from playing the Expos because then it wouldn't it would be a real world series and that would upset Americans who have this inferiority complex to Canadians because we're much better. Well, I'm not gonna argue that, but <laughs> see, I will argue though theories. that that my this year right now last place Yankee, Yankees were well ahead in first place back then. Just I, uh, we, we all have those conspiracy theories that we like to cling to, knowing full well <laughs> that they're all bullshit. There's mine. Mine is that uh, the military is going to get the full percentage of what are the, whatever the private sector gets in their, after their strike. That's my conspiracy theory that they're not going to hack that 10% that they're already giving us off. Did I say that out loud on air? (laughs) 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 
views expressed on this uh, podcast episode are strictly Treg Wilson's and only Treg Wilson's. <laughs> Just say <laughs> what they got a they got a fifteen percent raise. We're only getting five. Oh, <laughs> darn it! Uh, so. Uh, moving on from that conspiracy theory to the next one, the Calgary Flames, the, the GM quit because he wanted to fire the coach. And then suddenly, two weeks later, they fire the coach. Sutter's gone. Calgary, the team stopped playing for the coach long, like at Christmas. And everyone knew it. Everyone knew it. <laughs> right? Uh, what Brad Trevilling, I don't know why. I don't know. Sutter had his kids held for ransom on the old Sutter firm in Viking, Alberta, or what was going on there. But uh, he was standing by his coach, even though it was clear that he lost the room. I mean, when a no. reporter asked how he felt a rookie did in the lineup and he had no idea who they were talking about. No, he did. There's issues. Oh, I he know knew. he did. But what he different did. that he just, they, they just asked. Like, don't, you know, Sutter is so old school that it's not even new, you know, it's, it's old school that even old school didn't use so (laughs) for coaching. And you can't do that nowadays. It's, it's, and, and it just didn't work. I mean, Huberto was not the same player he was in Florida. Um, Cadre was not the same player. He was not the same player he was in Colorado. He just held so many people back. He put them in boxes. Who else did that? Who put players in boxes when they coached them? Terry. Every Montreal coach under Mark, Mark Bergevin. So, <laughs> Terrian, Julian, Ducharme, exact same person, different suit. Um, and that's what Sutter did. And, and that's just not the way you coach in the NHL anymore. I'm sorry, but. No. Darryl, no, it's Darryl, not. You had your. You know, hire one of his other 27 brothers. See how they do. 500 cousins. The entire Uh, town of Viking, Alberta. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But on BPM Small, uh, French language uh, sports talks, sports talk radio in Montreal, uh, Huberdeau was talking to a former Flames coach, uh, Bob Hart. Was it Hartley? Yes, it was Hartley. And he it, Hartley brought up the Jacob Peltier thing. And Huberto mentioned that, yeah, the guys in the room did not like that. It was There was no reason for it. It made no sense to them. Why would the coach essentially mock a, a rookie player who just played his first NHL game? Just, you know, give him the same bullshit answer. Say, hey. Yeah, no, he uh, he came up. He did what we asked him to do. He looked okay. Uh, he, got, he got pucks in deep. <laughs> pucks in deep, 110%. Like, just some cliche. Give some bullshit cliche answer. Just don't throw the kid under the bus. I don't I don't know. I think Sutter's days were numbered. Uh, it was just yeah. a matter of time. Why? See, that whole, uh, I don't know, that whole thing, uh, you know, Trevelling wanted to fire him. The owners didn't want him fired. Then they trivialing quits. And then it's almost like in the exit meetings, players had something to say maybe. And then all of a sudden they changed their mind. That's what I think happened. I think in the exit meeting, a lot of players said, hey, we're not playing for that guy. If you think we're going to make the playoffs next year, you got another thing coming because we're just going to go out and do whatever. We're going to play for us, not for for him. Which could also work. It worked for Montreal in the playoffs. But – um. Yeah. Don't know. Could Bergevin go to Calgary as the GM? It's possible. It's possible. That's two GM positions open now. Mm-hmm. And one of the smartest GMs in the NHL sitting there ready to take over. Let's do it. Do, do it. it. He'll hire Tim Tim. He'll hire Trevor Timmons back as his uh, pro scout. Hire him from Columbus. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I bring up I bring up the Flames because the Canadians own 
a draw their first round pick from one of the next 15, 20 years, depending on the condition. 25. I think it's going to yeah. be 24, but it's, it's could be 25. Which, which brings me to the point that this, this was a good move to kind of push the C, the year back a little bit on the first round pick. It, it, it keeps you from having, from stockpiling all the picks in one year, but it also kind of banks on the downfall of a team knowing that windows close and sometimes teams just slide into oblivion. So yeah. maybe he, t- maybe he timed it well because the team seems to be imploding right now. Well, I, I believe if I can remember, cause there's a lot of Philadelphia comes into this too, depending on how their draft goes and what pick they take from Calgary. But yeah. Montreal can get the 24th pick unless it's, really high up and then they can switch it over to the 25th pick. I believe it's in the top five or some shit like that. Yeah. I believe that's the stipulation on it. I don't think it's protected. Is it protected? I don't remember. Uh, anyway, Cat Friendly, yeah. Friendly got a whole page written on it. Cause that's how long it takes to explain the friggin' pick. Or you can go to the hockey writers and let's search up our author named Trey Wilson, who makes a huge, big article about it. And I can't even remember what I wrote, but um, anyway, I think that's how it works. So yeah, if Calgary slides, that could be a two top picks for Montreal in the top 20 next year. It's possible. It's very possible. So the timing of that, taking on six point. Three five million dollars for Sean Monahan. I mean, everyone was upset that he wasn't traded at the trade deadline, and that's fine. They could have gotten, had he been healthy, they could have gotten something decent. But just the fact that you took a first round pick just to take him on, it's already a win. And it yeah. looks like if the Flames do slide a bit, you know, fall between ten and twenty in their pick, that's a huge win. And that's just especially, I mean, I don't think next year is going to be as deep as this year is, but I don't think it's going to be obscure like 2022 was, if that makes any sense. 2022, you could have picked anybody almost anywhere. And you weren't really, this year, you know, the top 15 is pretty much, you know, set but however there's other players who are in the next dead that are like you know what they're good enough they could actually pop into that like it's a very deep deep draft yes so i mean i mean montreal's getting bedard and fantelli so it doesn't really matter <laughs> oh wouldn't that be great would that be great and that that takes us to the draft so the draft lottery is coming up very soon it's going to be on the 8th of may and um, Canadians right now hold number five. Percentage-wise, they're more likely to to pick five or six than they are to pick one or two. And it, it basically, one to pick number one, it's eight point six percent. To pick number two, it's eight point eight percent. And you're looking at about forty four percent for pick number five. And the farthest they can fall back is seventh, I believe. Uh I think they can only fall back two spaces. Yeah, but the more than likely they only move back one. Yeah, I'm just saying the farthest, the yeah. worst case scenario. Yeah, they yeah, pick yeah. seventh, which still isn't a isn't a bad spot to be. So I'd rather I'd rather top five. So technically, I will be right if they draft six or seventh, motherfuckers. <laughs> they didn't finish fifth, so technically wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> It's a downward spiral. If if the draft was shortened, they would have done. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. So let's yeah. So let's talk about the draft a little bit. And the Canadians picking somewhere around five to seven. Uh, clearly, the higher the draft, the better. Fantilli and Bedard are clear cut first, second tier. The third tier, though, which in this case. Oh. Well, let's do it this way, kids who could... yeah. Let's take every scenario and break it down because the first four are going to be easy. So if Montreal yeah. wins the draft, they get Bedard. Yeah. Montreal finishes second, they get Fantel. Easy picks. 
Those are all right. Third, Montreal ends up third in the draft. They move up two spots. Do you pick Mitchkov? I pick Carlson. Yeah, Mid- yeah. We'll, we're going to talk about Mitchkov at every pick from now on, but he's too. It's still even with uh, Marashenko or whatever his name is coming over to Washington or ending his contract early. Mind you, it's not a team that's owned by the president of the country. Um, it's a it's a lot lesser team in the KHL that he, they mutually and he he was okay. He wasn't a top scorer over there or anything. I don't believe like someone's gonna not come really. On. And keep in mind too, the team that he belongs to in the NHL is, is the Washington Capitals and Ovechkin's team. And and Ovechkin has a lot of pull. So yes. Uh, so he, they mutually end up, and he's going to sign with Washington. It's not going to be the same when you're playing for the top team, owned top team, one of the top teams in the league, owned by someone who can make this team win every year if he really wants to. Yeah, um, which Mitchkoff play, and Mitchkoff's one of the top players on the team at 18 years old. 17. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I will say this. It does bode well that he could play his contract out and then come to the NA, come over to North America, which two weeks ago you would say, I don't know. He may have to, you know, he's so good. He might, they might say, no, we're keeping him. Like we want him in our league. He's going to put butts in the seat. You know what I mean? And uh, although I think he does want to play North America, I won't get into his father's situation because he kind of said something like that. And then all of a sudden, shit went down um yeah so three i go with carlson i don't know who you go with but i go with carlson and see it's a tough tough call because carlson he's going to play in the world championships here coming up and he's playing for sweden on the men's team though like it's not u18 it's not u20 it's the world championships and he's their number one center so his performance in that tournament could go a long way but you can make an argument for will smith to go third you could you could but you can only make that argument because will smith really picked it up the last half of the season similar to what slavkowski did last year in the tournaments and everything near the yeah, end of but the throughout the throughout the entire season he was out producing guys like jack hughes mm-hmm. historically so it's not like he just suddenly found another gear and started scoring points when he was already doing that. I, I agree. However, the optics look like he found another yeah. gear and started turning points, whereas Carlson was pretty consistent through the entire season. Um, you can make an argument for Smith. I Like I say, I personally go with Carlson at three. Um, and... If we want to get into four, I would say, I would say Smith. I would say Smith or Dvorsky at four. If Mitchkoff doesn't go, Mitchkoff is in every pick. Mitchkoff is in it. You got to consider Mitchkoff for every pick, but you're going Dvorsky or Smith for four. I, I, I mean, if Smith doesn't go three, he goes four. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know Benson's in that mix as well uh, the reason why think, i don't think i was gonna say i don't I, think benson's there because of his size well not maybe not for the canadians but for the uh, for other teams maybe so i think maybe. he might be in the mix for for san jose he might be in the mix for but, uh, but we're Chicago. talking if the canadians are picking fourth we're, that's what i'm saying okay. we're, we're taking yeah. if every scenario for montreal in this lotto so if montreal is picking fourth you got carlson Fantelli and uh, Bedard doesn't go first because some for some reason nobody wants him. No, just <laughs> and and Bedard goes first. So who are you taking at four for Montreal? Yeah, I mean Smith is clearly the guy who would want it at four yeah. or five. Um, would Carlson, you... I I would think Carlson's ahead of him because, like I said, he's going to play first line center for the men's team, and I do believe he's going to do well in that tournament. So, so you would say Carlson's going third. I think so. Before Smith, yeah. But either way, you can flip-flop them. So if Montreal's picking third, Smith or Carlson, they're not going to go wrong. If they're picking fourth, Smith or Carlson, they're not going to go wrong. Exactly. Is that that a fair statement? 
Yeah, if, I think if so. they pass on one and get the other, they're not really, it's not really going to hurt them. No, I mean, you look at Carlson, he's got a little bit more size, but he's played on the wing more than center. Uh, but he is a center. Uh, Will Smith, he's got a, he's not as big, but he's more dynamic uh, offensively. And Hughes knows him from coaching him as, uh, you know, uh, in minor hockey. So it's all these different little things that all come mm. together that I don't think you'll lose out by picking either one. All right. So now we're at five. We're at where Montreal probably is going to pick. Yeah. We have Smith, Carlson, Fantelli, Bedard all gone. Who are we picking at five? Well, at five, now you have guys like Mitchkov, Benson, Dvorsky, uh, Oliver Moore, Ryan Leonard. So these are all guys that you could pick at that point. You haven't answered the question. <laughs> what? Who do I who would you, want? Who, who would you pick? Yeah, they're all guys you can pick, but who who would you pick at, at five? Would you pick Mitchkov at five? Is he a viable no. option at five? No. No, I think it's too risky. At five, you're gonna you're in a you're in one of the deepest draft pools. You don't want to have a miss. You don't want to have a player that will never show up for whatever reason. So I would pick someone that I know would be able to come over, or is already here. So because you know more about the prospects than I do, and I readily admit that, I'm going with Dvorsky. I'm going with Dvorsky at five. Um, I like Leonard. I like Benson. I just think Dvorsky is more ready. Not that he needs to play in the NHL next year, and I think he, uh, I think he has a better skill set. In watching Dvorsky through the World Juniors and the U18s here, uh, he is when he's up against his peers, he he can dominate a game. He really can. Uh, in the World Juniors, the under twenty World Juniors, he was uh, he was the number one center for a, a Slovakian team that was missing a few big pieces. And they, they took Canada to overtime and nearly beat them. Um, and, and he was a big part of that. So I think he, he has got value to be picked there. And I know that the Canadians staff do like him. But if it was me, I would, I would be debating between him and Ryan Leonard, who's a power forward for Team USA. So if you're, if you're looking for size, they both have it. If you're looking for a scoring touch, they both have it. They both play a little bit of a power game. They can both skate well. But if you're looking for a center versus a winger, you're going to lean towards Dvorsky. All right. So we'll say Dvorsky if Montreal picks five, just for the sake of okay. argument. Sure. So now we're at the six. Say whatever team is five, pick Dvorsky. We'll just say assume every team's going with Montreal's uh, draft page sure. because it's up on the Jumbotron. Uh, uh, who are you taking? So now you have. Would you say then it make a good argument? Leonard would go six to Montreal. Or, yeah, I, I would. Or would you take Mitchkoff after five? No, still not picking Mitchkoff at this point. I personally, I don't think Mitchkoff goes to nine or ten. Personally, I think he'll go around there. I think Arizona picks eight or nine. Twelfth, twelfth. I think that's a twelfth. He won't go past Arizona. No, God, no. Yeah, he, so. He's ideal for Arizona. When you think about it, ideal. Yeah, and uh, I don't I don't see uh, Washington passing on another a Russian to come over and. Uh, see, and that's the with, that's the rub. Play with Ovechkin or replace Ovechkin, because, again, he's not going to be over here for another three years. Now, I know that. With the Capitals picking eight, you make a good point that they do love Russian players, but they still need centers to feed the Russian players they already have. Uh, Backstrom's getting much older, and in, he, his injuries are catching up to him. So there's guys like Oliver Moore. Um, I mean, you could make an argument for, I don't know, Nate Danielson. You can pick these guys around there. I don't know. Actually, yeah. With Ovechkin on the team, they might have a better chance of getting Mitchkov to come to North America with Ovechkin's pull. And I would believe in three years of Ovechkin's not playing, 
he'll be part of the organization somewhere, somehow. Exactly. So he'll exactly. have some say. Um, well, let's say they don't about, pick him. Who, Washington? Yeah, let's say they go somewhere else. He's gone by 12. Arizona got him at 12. Exactly. And the reason yeah. why I think that's the drop dead, that's as far as he's going to go, is because Arizona, uh, with their second first round pick because they have already ha- they already have number six at this point maybe seven do they pick him at that pick possibly or do they wait until 12 and pick him there either way i think he's going there because they're a team still looking to tank they don't need to worry about the next year or two they don't care about that and in about two three years they're going to have they're going to have uh, a new rink uh a much better team put together because of all the prospects that they've got coming up and a brand new UFA signing in uh, Austin Matthews. In either Arizona or Houston, wherever that arena will be. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But no, yeah, I I do think that he's a good fit for that organization. And you make a very good point on uh, the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Uh, So six, you're going with Leonard. Yeah, if uh, if Dvorsky's already gone, then yeah. Yeah, I'd go with Leonard. All right. I agree with Leonard, and at seven, I'd go with Benson. If Montreal's picking seven. Um, I'd have a hard time picking between Benson and Moore. I was, I was thinking Oliver Moore, too, but I'm also thinking with Doc... Suzuki, Dvorak, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'd go with Benson just because he's he's probably going to end up playing the wing anyway. So true, and but Moore is also he can switch to the wing, and he is an amazing skater, just unbelievable good skater. So he can play at that pace that they want him to play. He's got a little bit more size than Benson. I mean, they're both. Very dynamic players. They're both offensively gifted players. They're both excellent skaters, but I don't know. It, it, that's why it's a little bit, it's hard. It's hard to pick between the two. Okay. So going back to the draft, Montreal say, we'll, we'll go with Montreal picking five. I, I, I will put money down that Montreal is going to stay at five. Um, I'll probably lose it, but I'll put money down anyway. <laughs> um, any chance Montreal goes off the board? goes with some if they did it would be for Reinbacher. that that's and that's what i was getting at like it, any chance they're picking five and Dvorsky, leonard benson more all available is there any chance that they go you know what let's take a left turn here and go pick someone no one's thinking we're gonna pick. well Reinbacher is kind of in the talks for montreal but um yeah i mean if they were to go off script, that's who I think they would do it because he's, he's seen as the next, uh, Bryce, what's the name of that Detroit Red Wings d- defenseman? I'm trying Lidstrom. to think of his name. No, no, no. The one that's playing right now. Oh, uh, uh or, uh, cider. Yes. I was having a brain fart moment there. Uh, Maurice cider. He's, he's Maurice seen cider. as the next cider. And, Reinbacher is also seen as the best defenseman in the draft this year. So they could look at it and say, well, he brings a very different element that we don't have right now. He's got the size, he's got the mobility. He could be the next uh, game breaking defenseman and he's the best defenseman. So maybe we're going to get a bigger bang for a buck picking him versus someone else. Is he right-handed? Yeah. For Six sure. foot two, almost sure. 200 pounds. Habs fans. For sure, Reinbacker at five. You heard it here first. Right, Grant? <laughs> uh, I think Grant McCagg believes Dvorsky, Dvorsky is... Dvorsky and Smith are his picks for the Canadians. So, hand on your heart. Well, not hand on your heart. Who do you really think they're going to... Who do you think they're going to pick at five? Who, when they pick him, you're like, yeah, that's what I thought. If Smith's there, him. If he's not there, Dvorsky. Okay. I, I'm in the same boat. I, I think it's Dvorsky. I don't 
I personally don't think Smith will be there. I think he's going to go fourth. Um, but I think Smith would have worse gear than once they're going to pick. And Mitchkoff at 17. Yep. And fingers crossed, you win the lottery. Like, well, that's why I wanted to go over every scenario. Like, hey, yeah, you know, what if Montreal, because uh, there was a year Montreal finished third when they were like eighth or something like that. So you never know. It could happen. Um, I mean, because awesome. the first the first three were pretty easy. Uh, but after one and two, it's and it's really good. It's really good to look at a draft that after the first two picks, you could argue. You could take this guy or that guy and you're really not going to you're not going to lose out in this because you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen at five? They're going to pick one guy, and everyone's going to focus on the guy they didn't pick and go, how come that guy's doing so well on that team and our guy's playing for Laval? Or our guy should have been playing in Laval and not in Montreal or whatever. So essentially, whatever happens, the opposite is something they, they say should have happened. And that's, ex- well, it depends on how well the player plays. Let's be honest. If Slavkovsky came out and had a 40, 50 point season, nobody would be talking about Shane Wright in his two points in Seattle or whatever it is he got. Well, there'd be a handful, but they'd be shushed pretty quick because of that. But if it turns out to be the Kotkaniemi uh, Kachuk garbage, then that's different. I'll be honest. Kotkaniemi had a good solid first season, but Kachuk also even though it was Zadina that everybody wanted. I want a Kachuk. You're my so witness I, to that. I want a Kachuk, but we all knew Cotton Emmy was we all knew Cotton Emmy was gonna get picked. Yeah. Right what lady? No one listens to us, man. <laughs> no one. And then Pat and do with your what lady goddamn Twitter thing that everyone thought was me because you told them. <laughs> what? No, but it, I want to make it clear though. Like we're arguing, we're not arguing. We're we're breaking down and looking at these players and saying maybe this guy, maybe that guy. But in your first seven, eight picks, they're all players that could be first line players. And that's just what I'm saying. This is what I like about where we're picking is it's not really going to matter who we pick. It's going to be a successful pick. Unless something drastic, unless an Alexander Dag pops out of this, and you're like, where did that come from? Or a, uh, um, I want to say Sikora. what, Peter Sakura wasn't that bad. It wasn't that great, but, <laughs> or, you know, uh, <laughs> what's his name from the 79 draft there? Uh, Wickenheiser. The 80 draft, yeah. Yeah. Or, or you're looking at, uh, Galchenyuk, the guy that got picked before Galchenyuk there from Edmonton. Neil Yakupov. Yakupov. However, there was underlying issues with Yakupov that people knew about, and that was a terrible draft. Yeah. Well, except for, you know. Anyway, um, but this year, I I, now, next question for you, Blaine. I kind of took control of the show here. Uh, (laughs) um, Does whoever they pick make the NHL next year? First year, right out of the bat? Yeah. I don't think so. We said the same thing about Slavkowski, and he made the NHL. Well, I'm because if for me, I'm thinking it's either Dvorsky uh, or uh, Smith. And with Smith, I see him playing a full season in Boston mm-hmm. before coming to the uh, the professional ranks. He'll play his first year in the NCAA. He needs a little bit more seasoning anyway, so that he can get a little bit more size to him, build up a little bit more strength. Dvorsky's already got size and strength, uh, but he needs to refine his game. So I can see him playing uh, junior hockey in Canada. Maybe that he could play in Laval. Kind of like what they did with uh, Philip Meshar. And do you think Slavkowski plays Laval or Montreal next year? I think he starts in Montreal, but if he's not, uh, I, I don't see them being as patient with him this year as they were la- this past season. So if he starts not really showing much, you know, little flashes here and there is not enough. You need to show that you're ready. 22 goals from Slavkowski in the NHL next year. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that pretty much covers everything. We've uh, we've rambled on for almost an hour. This is my interview with the hockey writer's writer, Blaine Potvin. Thank you for joining the show. <laughs> he is our uh, prospect expert. <laughs> We we we're pretty low on the expert scale here, so we just uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's in air quotes. Um, yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, no, not not really. I just my final thought just is no matter where Montreal uh, finishes in this in this lottery, they're going to get a good pick. Um, so try to, you know, when the draft day comes and they pick the guy that you wanted or didn't want. Let's just hope that, you know, let's support them. Let's not uh, fight against them. Let's, for a change, support the player that the team picks and don't sit there and be like these jackasses you're already seeing on Twitter already tearing down the pick that hasn't even been made yet. Because they know more. Because they know better. Because they're on Twitter. That's why I'm on Twitter. I know more than everybody else about the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. You're the Elon Musk of uh, Habs Unfiltered. And I have a blue check mark that I'm not paying for anymore, and I still don't know why I have it. <laughs> eh. I don't have any of the benefits of it because I can't write like a whole page or anything, so I don't know why I have it. <laughs> Just there. Um, yeah, and for me, I agree. I agree with the patient side. Uh, this is an organization whose management has only been in place for 18 months. Let's give them a little bit more runway before we burn them down and burn down their choices. I mean, I think they're already doing a better job in the development and drafting part of the than the last regime. Um, you could argue Slavkovsky, sure. There's arguments to and fro on that one. Um, but yeah, let's just just be patient. Just, uh, you know, and then in the words of uh, Jerry Springer, uh, you know, be kind to eat each other or whatever he says at the end of Jerry Springer. God rest Jerry Springer. Ah, <laughs> uh, he'll be missed. I'll never know who that transvite stripper was that I fell in love with years ago. I can only find out on the show. It'll never happen. Maybe Steve-O. Maybe Steve-O will carry on the tradition. No, he only does people who molest kids or something. That show's really gone off the rails. <laughs> Ooh, good thing I don't watch that shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's pretty much it for the show. Uh, uh, there's our final thoughts, as messed up as they may be. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's still listening for some odd reason, despite all of that. But uh, yeah, keep, keep the emails coming. Keep interacting with us on social media. We really appreciate the community that we have been able to build up with you guys. So uh, please, let's keep it going. We'll enjoy the summer together. And uh, remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.